0: Welcome to the Church Safety and Security Broadcast with the Church Safety Guys, sponsored by Checker. Background screens for your faith or volunteer organization. The Church Safety Guys is a nonprofit organization. Our mission is to inspire, influence, and impact church safety and security teams. We are protectors, guardians, ambassadors, and shepherds. We are about all things church safety and security, which starts with a ministry mindset and a servant's heart. Join us for the next hour as the Church Safety Guys unpack safety, security, leadership, and ministry operations with your hosts, James McGarvey, Paul Buckner, and Mike Scully. This broadcast is also available on social media, YouTube, your favorite podcast platforms, and on the all-new Church Security app.
1: Well, good evening. At least I think it's evening. Welcome to the Church Safety and Security broadcast. I am James, (coughs) and I'm joined by uh, Paul this evening. Uh, Mike actually won't be joining us. He's feeling kind of under the weather a bit so uh he would certainly appreciate your prayers
2: but i think he's uh, come down with a construction virus yeah <laughs> poor guy say a prayer for him he's had some rules around his house getting things taken care of so
1: yeah it, and that's not like a new uh deviation of the coronavirus <laughs> it's uh the construction virus is he's been he's been working on this project for a long time. Like he, he had a contractor come over and look at his laundry room and the contractor left the water running in the laundry room and disconnected stuff. And this has just been a, a a like insurance craziness nightmare for him because the contractor then disappeared and wouldn't repair the damage from the water. And so they're, they're trying to get stuff done. But I think this was back in March that he was working on it, that, that this started happening. So he's been dealing with this most of the year. So yeah, definitely keep him in your prayers tonight. Um, but if you just joined us or you're, you're joining us at a later time, feel free to click the like and subscribe button in that lower right-hand corner. Um, and as always, you can visit us at churchsafetyguys.com and, and connect with us, reach out. Um, if there's anything that we can help you with, uh, with your ministry, uh, please feel free to reach out to us and we'll do the best we can. Uh, to facilitate that. So, um, I have to say it's been a crazy busy week and, uh, I was actually, I had a chance if, if you guys missed it last week, we had Gary, uh, Quisenberry on and, uh, that was a great broadcast. Uh, go back and if you, if you haven't heard it, go back right now, write it down. Listen, no, not right now. I'm joking. But, um, check it out. Cause Gary's a great guy. And, uh, he, uh, he used to be, a and he, well, he's a retired, uh, federal air marshal. And so he designed some of the training techniques for those guys. And I had a chance yesterday to go out with a friend of mine and, uh, shoot some, which I hadn't been out, um, non-seriously shooting in a long time. And so, um, I I set something up akin to the nickel Ah <laughs> the, yes the, the nickel challenge that uh that Gary designed and uh I have to say I didn't do horribly so um I didn't do great but I didn't do horribly <laughs> So. No details provided.
2: Those of you following along at home, yeah. <laughs> notice that there were no details you know, provided.
1: It was funny when I went out there. I'm like, you know, I need, I should try out this this uh, we're we've got new new body cameras that we're testing and trying out. Um, and I'm like, hey, I should take this out and clip it to me so I can record it, and everybody can see how well I shoot, right?
3: Did, did something <laughs> mysteriously happen that. to that footage?
1: <laughs> Yeah, it it didn't get recorded. That's what
3: happened. Weird.
1: Because <laughs> when I got out there, I'm like looking around, and I'm like, I don't know that I really want people seeing how horrible I am. I'll just tell you, I'm pretty horrible.
2: Yeah, <laughs> uh, I have a friend that upgraded his firearm with that, and without thinking. He put a couple of rounds to make sure it worked, and then he went out to shoot competitively and just completely stank the place up because he wasn't thinking about the fact that all of this gear on his gun, you know, new trigger and all this stuff was new and he so he just stank up the competition and on Facebook somebody was recording him with his phone and he (laughs) walks up to it and goes, In case you want to know how the competition went blap but he slaps the phone (laughs) out
3: of the guy's hand. Well I thought
1: we were I just recently picked up a uh, a Glock forty three X, and uh, so a couple months ago, and, and I really wanted to to shoot it more, and so I thought I was going to shoot that, and it was going to be a just kind of a relaxed thing, and and my buddy was like, "No, I don't think so," and I'm like, "What?" I just want to stand 20 feet from the target and shoot today. And he's like, no. So he like starts getting out. We, he's got these 55 gallon plastic barrels. So he's nice. like getting up barrels in the field. And he's like, you got to start back here. And I'm like back there. That's like the end of the sanctuary. and he's like, <laughs> Exactly. He's like, I want to see you run 80 feet. Oh from cover shoot around this and i'm like what is this the matrix i'm like i'm not doing that. doesn't that constitute
2: attempted murder
1: <laughs> and i'm like i'm gonna be dead by the time i get through the, the 80 feet and he's like that's the training young jedi <laughs>
2: I'm like, nice day.
1: So, but we had we actually we did have a lot of fun. It was it was great to get out. It's it's been very windy lately, um, and so it was kind of cold, which was a little bit nicer to to bundle up and shoot. But it's interesting to me. I'll say this, and then we can we can bring our guest in for tonight. But it's interesting to me that <clears throat> even just adding an extra ten or fifteen feet in your process, like we were standing about twenty feet away from the firing line. And then we ran up to the firing line and ran up to where the barrels were and then ran around the barrels and then shot and did target acquisition. And it wasn't anything entirely crazy, but just having that practice and getting your blood pumping more um, than, you know, just standing there and shooting, I think was was some great practice. So um, if you can do that and you can do it safely, I, you know, I always recommend that because it's, it's quite a bit different. And think about it. You know, if, if you were ever in a situation where you had to jog or run across the church, that's very applicable uh, to be out of breath and have to be. Oh, uh, absolutely. You know, and even if you're it's good
2: practice if you're, if you're at the grocery store with your family and somebody comes up to do something and you have to run to try to get to safety and then shoot or whatever. Sure.
1: For sure. So All right, so we'll bring in uh, our guest this evening, and our guest is uh, Steve McGraw, and uh, he is joining us. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us tonight, sir. Appreciate Looking
2: forward it. to so it. I, I understand you run a safety team for like a, a small church, fairly <laughs> rural. It's tiny. It's real tiny. It, it's tiny. <laughs> he was explaining so, how far it was to have to go get something to me a minute ago before we got started. I was like, oh, never mind. <laughs> Yeah, James is talking about running 80 yards to go do something.
4: I'm like, yeah, that's about one hallway. <laughs> right. You got the hall.
2: these fatal funnels everywhere. Yes.
4: yes. Four stairwells in, in our main auditorium building that are three stories tall. Oh, my oh
2: imagine high. clearing and holding that.
4: Yeah, yeah. yeah. But we have a team of guys that are responsible to do all that.
2: <laughs> You're like, I
1: don't do that. That's below my pay grade. Yeah.
4: <laughs> No, i just have to take all the liability for telling them what to do and when to do it that's all.
1: No. yeah well, n- no biggie yeah i don't know so anyhow I'll, i'm gonna throw I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna i'm gonna say how i met kind of met steve steve's actually been a member of our group and i was going through some youtube videos and uh i came across he did some some awesome videos um for church safety and stuck them out there and i didn't even realize honestly i didn't even realize he was in the group so i apologize that's my bad um but i emailed him like i'm like oh here's you know his his videos are really cool he's right on point and um I'm like I'm gonna reach out to this guy, so I emailed him and I said, "Hey, you know, would you consider coming on the broadcast?" and and he's like, "Yeah, I'm in your group. What's wrong with you? You're an idiot." <laughs> I didn't say it exactly <laughs> like that, but... no, he didn't. He was like, "Yeah, I'm in your group. I'd love to come on." So I yeah. appreciate it. So thank you very much for joining us tonight. Um, My pleasure. But uh, go for for those of you those listening that don't know if you could just kind of walk us through your background and experience and and how you got involved in church safety
4: so I um, I grew up in church all my life since the nursery days and age so almost 40 now so it's been a long time um, when I went to go to college our church has a college that it runs as well so I decided to go to um, college here at our college and so when, while I was there, I, I kind of already had the intention of going into law enforcement. That's where I felt God was calling me to go since I was about 12. So while in college, um, I took actually a music education course um, while I was doing that. But while taking that course, because I wanted to do some education and I liked music, so I put two and two together. Um, while doing that, they, have a, they had security at the college and church and schools and so forth that we have. I knew the chief as kind of like a, personal mentor for me so I talked to him and then I started doing that when I was 18 right when I came to college started working there and been on it'll be 20 years in December that I've been doing church security for this for this department for the department the church I grew up in spent a few years in Wisconsin before coming back to college but most of my life's been spent here
2: so Um, this is awesome I want to comment on that really quickly because at the same time that that like um like uh, Carl Chen was getting into church safety and security. You've, you've been doing this a very long time and you run a a very professional team in a very large environment. This is going to make for a great topic tonight, a great series of topics tonight, but um, I'm excited about this because you've seen really from the early days when when people were like, wait, why would you need safety? Any kind of safety, any kind of safety or security at a church, what's wrong with you all the way up to today? So this is going to be fun. Yeah,
4: we were, we were, Church security here existed back when I was a kid. Um, it's been around longer than I've been around. So it's older than our department's older than 40 years now. Um, so I learned from my predecessors and so forth and got to learn a lot of from their mistakes. Then they passed those on to me to let me know what they learned. And so I've got to now I'm teaching the next generation, um, nice. trying to teach them, but it's, it's a con, you know, everything changes with times. I, I remember the days that nobody understood what church security was. There wasn't church shootings. There wasn't anything like that involved. Um, there were days like that back in the day, but now that's all changed, sadly. Yeah. And so now more churches are getting on board with that, which is a, a good and necessary thing. So um, to kind of continue on, where I left, where I was leaving off, I went into law, got into law enforcement. I got married a couple years after uh, in 2003 and then 2004, I joined law enforcement. I worked for a small town department. Um you know for about 10 years, um, you know, some full time, some part time. That entire time, I still worked for the church, um, mostly full time for the church at that point. And then, um, in about 2010 or so, my predecessor decided to retire from being the chief of the department. And uh, I was explained that it was going to be a five year transition before I became the chief. And I was excited about waiting five years. And then I was in a meeting where the pastor just announced to everybody I was taking over that day. And the chief of guard is stepping <laughs> up so i was as as everybody else was in the room that was a that was a shock but
2: look how overwhelmed he looks look how honored he looks
4: <laughs> so, so you were voluntold that you would be stepping up essentially yeah, starting today oh okay thanks um so that's kind of how i've been doing that for 10 years but then i switched departments my police departments about seven years ago um, I've been with the new department there for about seven years, and with that I do a lot of instructing, firearms instructing, taser instructing, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I'm also on the SWAT team, I do all the drones and robots and entries and stuff like that with them. So I get to play around with a lot of cool toys. So but that's kind of my full-time job, and then this is my part-time job now, but... Uh, artificial- Notice
2: the quotation marks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you
4: artificial- mean when you do the that- quote? 40- 44 people total. department, um, okay. our apartment. About right now, I think I've got about eight full-time and part-timers and the rest are like, are what we would consider volunteers for the weekend services and so forth. So we have medics and so forth that are part of that team. And so that's kind of what we run on a weekly basis. Usually on duty, we have on service times, we have about 30 to 35 on duty at a time. Wow. So, it's, so it's kind of like a small department just for one day. So it's kind of like a small city that runs for one day and then everybody goes their way for a couple of days.
2: I was having that conversation with some of my pastors because we're running now. Nothing compared to what you're running, Steve, but we're running about 1500 people a Sunday. And I said, guys, we're impacting the neighborhood traffic. We're backing up onto a highway. Um, you know, we're involving city and, and, uh, and county level law enforcement in what we're doing. Um, obviously we want to be a good neighbor. Um, so, so one, one or two days a week, we're a small city and I, and we're planning on expanding to be able to hold about 2,150 souls. And I said, okay guys, now we need to start thinking about, uh, shelter in place, tornado stuff, because you can't evacuate 2,150 people that fast and and I got a blank stare which was good because I was like okay good so we're like like it was like oh we've got to start thinking about that and I'm I'm like thank god before we started building the building and they're there I'm I'm not I don't want to make I don't want to say anything that would make them sound like they're not doing their jobs right they are, but but i'm trying to throw in things now so we can maybe design the building around it because you can't evacuate 2150 people that fast yeah. and we're in the midwest and tornadoes are like surprise and um so they, they don't give you like hurricane warning where it comes in for days you know it's not, not like no no and then um the other thing i was saying was to them we're now going to need to really start thinking about paying a paramedic to be at our church every service because we'll hold an event and 2,000 extra souls will show up. Okay, that's a lot of people. And now you're going to have mechanical injuries and heart attacks and all these different things. And we need somebody right there. You know, and so I'm excited about it, but we have to start thinking of ourselves as a city. And I love how you said that. You know, James actually introduced that idea to me. Um, Listen listen closely, guys. I'm giving James a compliment. Uh,
0: (laughs) Several years ago,
2: he introduced me to the idea of, hey, you know, bigger churches are a city one or two days a week. So,
4: yeah, we're, you know, considering our area department, we're right. Our church is set right between it's in the city called Hammond. And it's right between Gary and Chicago, if that gives you an idea, kind of the clientele. That, and we send, we send on average about 50 to 60 buses into Chicago and Gary and Mary, you know, other areas to pick up kids and bring them in. So we get, we get gang members sometimes from different areas and they won't necessarily clash all together and so forth. So, I mean, it, it, we get our own gang wars within our little city for a weekend. Um, but for the most part, they're, they're pretty good kids and so forth that we deal with. And it's a good thing. But there are those little problems you deal with. In a small city, you always got some, you know, you just have to deal with that, but,
2: um, So do you have a tail gunner on the back of your church bus? <laughs>
4: <laughs> 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 I that job. I bring, I job. To bring the armored vehicles into my other job for the weekend. Nice. We have great guys that are, you know, trained as much as we can together as a team to kind of deal with these situations. But you mentioned the evacuations and so forth, or tornadoes. Yeah. That's been something we have to plan. Our building wasn't necessarily built around those ideas in place like you're talking about, and we see some errors in our ways in that way, Um, but we had to, we have to evacuate up to 200 kids under the age of two within a matter of minutes in the event of a fire on the third floor. So that puts it in, we got to figure out how to carry 200 kids down the stairs real quick. So puts puts it into perspective on that end of it. How do we, how do you plan for that? And that took us a lot of time to come up with a plan
2: i'm not being funny but you know how the airplanes have the the inflatable like, i'm not Rides. joking when i'm saying this my brain like like as a problem solver <laughs> i'm sitting here thinking you should you send two adults down and you're just like catch and you start sitting down as fast as you can we just figure we're gonna
4: lay lay down the elders in the church the deacons of the church just have the kids jump on top of them we'll be all right we'll figure it <laughs>
3: out
1: i had to i had to laugh before because you said volunteer or not volunteer part-time and quotes and and for those of you that uh, maybe didn't see the quotes quotes or listening at a later time on uh, iHeartMedia or or uh, our podcast, what's funny about that is the fact that whenever somebody, it's synonymous with church and ministry, right? Whenever you do quotes, that means it's actually twice as much as your full-time job.
3: <laughs> yes. So
1: Yeah. So there, there was a, there was a piece of time for me when, um, and thankfully we've adjusted and and kind of moved forward with and, and evolve with different things. But yeah, there was a, there was a piece of time where uh, I was, I was part-time or volunteering and, and Paul knows how this works, but I was, I was actually spending 50 to 60 hours a week at the church and and then working So it can get it can get pretty crazy for sure. And as a
2: as a volunteer chaplain, I literally would have guys that would call me, and Steve, you'll appreciate the humor in this. One one afternoon, one of the cops I chaplain, small town, he's on duty. He's coming back from a call. He's code brown. So he's freaking out because he really has to go to the bathroom bad. And he goes, Hey, are you still at your church? And I'm like, Yes, and he's like, I need you to open every door from the outside to the bathroom stall because I'm coming in hot. And he does all but a slide stop takes off running and locking the vehicle as he's running and he starts handing me gear and so he's handing me like his carrier he's handing me stuff and i come up and he he runs in and now as he's running down the hallway he's like you better be praying <laughs> and he runs in and it was to the point that like a lot of times when guys any by the way he made it and life was good and 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 so forth but um I loved that because a lot of people would stop off at the church that knew I chaplain and they'd give me a call from the parking lot and be like, hey, where are you at? And I'd come let him in. And then we would talk about God and the latest, whatever they saw that they needed to talk about. Or sometimes they just wanna chew the cud. And I loved having um, a police car in the parking lot because we weren't in Chicago, but we were sandwiched between two methamphetamine fueled neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. So we had lots of fun. And no, no gang battles, thankfully. But we had a lot of fun, and so I loved having them there. But yes, yeah, that's
4: uh, it's you know being this close to Chicago, you get some interesting people. That's that's to say the least. And we get we do bust in some of the homeless people. And we t- you guys have talked about that on before on your show on the homeless. And sometimes they tend to come here and they want to stick here, and they don't want to necessarily live in our. You know, we have a, run a rescue mission as well, but they don't want to live With there. They want to live out on the streets, and we end up finding them in buildings and stuff just because that's where they want to be. So kind of a small, of small town mentality with that.
2: I tried to get a guy to go to a shelter. I said, I can get you there. I can take care of you. And I loved his honesty. He goes, I, look, I'm just going to tell you, I'm not going to pass the drug test that they make you take every day. So I don't want to go there. And I was like, copy that. Where would you like to get <laughs> <laughs> Let's
4: find another place that they can... <laughs> You know, you guys talk about um, different verbal options. And I was taught by one of my predecessors that has since moved to another area. But he's taught me, you know, give people options. Don't just stop at the one, you know, don't always try and tell them what to do, give them options. And sometimes they may not like the other two options you're giving them, such as leaving or doing what you want them to do. But if you give them those options, they'll take one of those options usually. So they'll have to come up with one of their own, so that works
2: well Well, and even i love what you said though because it's so true because i've literally you see the the seasoned police officer that walks up and goes look and he holds up the set of handcuffs there's two ways this ends you can leave now or you leave with me and you're not gonna like spending the night in jail and you gave them options you let them make an adult decision i literally actually saw a guy at the scene of a verbal domestic go well i guess you're just gonna have to arrest me and the officer's like <laughs> you can tell me, he's like, "I just give you
0: it out."
1: <laughs> one of the one of the things that uh, that my my officer friend usually says, and he, he'll say that like when he's addressing stuff at our church, he'll he'll say, "Well, you know, there's one or two options with with new bracelets or without new bracelets." That's usually <laughs> how he says how he says it, and uh, and most people are like. Um, Okay. Without, <laughs> and I usually
4: I usually tell the people they are not necessarily the most comfortable bracelets to be wearing.
1: Either. Yeah, <laughs> not a fashion, yeah. by
4: any means. So.
1: That's crazy. So you're so I actually I know right where you are. I I went to um, undergrad at uh, Dubuque Bible or. Emmaus Bible College in Dubuque, Iowa, which is three hours west of Chicago, Uh, um, due west. And so I lived out in Iowa for a bit. And then also up in up in Wisconsin, there was a small church, um, country church that I was an associate pastor of for a little bit. And um, but my wife, my wife actually worked in Gary as well uh, for a bit. So I kind of know that corridor pretty well. So I'm I'm impressed that you guys are are one of the uh, few churches left in the country that actually does a bus ministry still. Yes, um, we we actually had a, at one point I think we had seven or eight buses that we were running in Columbus, and uh, because of COVID, it just got to the point where we couldn't um, with with Ohio's guidance uh, on right. sanitizing and stuff like that. We just couldn't we couldn't do it so um so now i mean we do we do still run vans and and that sort of thing and i mean we've had plenty of um plenty of interesting safety stories from that so i can only imagine what you guys deal with on a regular
4: <laughs> uh, it's it's a you know we have reports every day it seems like of things that happen just because of the nature of the, the size and so forth but
2: mm-hmm. most of them are fairly good for the most part the situations are end fairly well I mean this with nothing but respect, but there was a pastor a long time ago that talked about, he, he didn't want to preach in a cathedral. He wanted to run a mission within a few feet of hell. And I have gone places and done uh, security and, and ministered in environments that I'm like, I'm pretty sure this is in the same neighborhood at least. And (laughs) I, I love the heart. Um, I went to one in Kansas city off a prospect and it, and it may not rival Chicago, but it tries. And, uh, I think the funniest part, because I, I have to tell you funny that went with it. One of the guys that was there was wearing this, this like tan hoodie and he's holding a giant cross and people were coming up and asking us and wondering why there were 25 white people in the neighborhood. And we're talking to him about Jesus. Well, he he's underneath the streetlight and it's washed out. His hoodie looks white. And I look over and do a double take and I'm looking at him going, like this, like this. And he looks at me and I had to walk over and tell him, he flipped his hoodie up and it was pointed.
3: And I was like, <laughs> no, no. So I,
2: I ran over and I'm like, dude, Josh, dude, you got to put it down. You got to put it down. And he's like, why? I said, because from over there, you look like you're in the KKK. Yeah. And uh, But we, it was awesome to see people who were in, in prostitution and gangbanging. And we had a guy in an Aryan gang give his life to the Lord and he's being loved on by these these older black women that are hugging on him. And he's covered in swastikas and lightning bolts. And I, I loved that and, and having that impact. And I guarantee you, we were in the same neighborhood as Hades, it was some rough yeah. turf. And
4: yeah. Yeah, there used to be some Robert Taylor homes and so forth in Chicago, like big, big places. We used to run two or three buses and they'd fill because the kids just wanted to get out of that lifestyle for just a few hours get away somewhere, and they would come here and sometimes they would bring those problems here but i was so glad that a lot of them didn't and they got to enjoy some time away from family and get to hear about the lord and so forth it. And it was a good time away for them so
1: that's crazy we i went um well we had what was it a couple weeks ago i went and did um did security and executive protection at a at a revival meeting out in dayton and one of the the organizations one of the churches that was that kind of put everything together had a street ministry and they were telling us about some of that too and what was interesting was the um the the craziness they they were just as concerned about safety as any you know any church any normal ministry but what was interesting about it was they had developed a a relationship with the the pimps and the drug dealers and everything and it got to one of the guys told me it got to a point where or it has gotten to a point where those those folks will actually come to them and they've had other um other faiths like uh, you know they've had muslim leaders uh, just different gangs all these people like after they got past the period of realizing that they were just there to preach and help now they've got all of these gangs and and different faith groups that are coming to them and saying look you know we respect what you guys are doing we don't want to agree with you Praise so We appreciate what what you're doing in the community and and um you know we're here and and they've even gone to the point of of going around to others and saying don't mess with those guys or you'll have to deal like don't mess with the bible guys or you have to deal with us yeah. so it's pretty it's pretty crazy we
4: we had a uh, this kind of a quick story we had a guy from our ministry church here that was invited he came on our buses he was actually shot when he was younger as a young gang member uh mm-hmm. shot in the back and was paralyzed from it and he'd be here every sunday where all our buses load up and you could he still had gang affiliations pretty high up and so forth and we knew that but he never brought that here and if you ever observed anybody with a gang attire or the gang attitude or anything like that he would wheel himself right up to them and say just so you know, that's not going to happen here. We're not going to deal with that. And if you do that here, we're going to have the rest of my people to deal with. So it's like his gang kind of peacefully owned our church, Sunday, <laughs> I guess, if you want to call it that. But he would be the first one to go greet our fellow gang members and make sure that they were aware of what the rules were here before we even have to. I love that's it.
1: crazy. I think that, uh, I think it's interesting. I know in Columbus lately, we've been dealing a lot more with, with gangs and that sort of thing. And and that's an interesting um, certainly an interesting position to be in an, an interesting topic. Maybe maybe we can get into that at some point. But just the idea of, you know, again, um, being able to witness and minister to those folks while while trying to stay safe and trying to, to have that that balance of saying, look, we're not really interested in what you're doing, but don't bring it here. Because we've had, I mean, we've had people like when we were running our bus ministry too we've had people come in that um you know most of our church folks didn't know you know anything like didn't think twice about the clothes or the style of of their dress or anything and uh we had one guy actually one guy come in and he had a handkerchief hanging out out of his back pocket and i was like okay it's a handkerchief. You know, I didn't think twice about it. And one of the officers grabbed me and pulled me aside. And he's like, "Um, do you know what, you know, he's like, do you know anything about that handkerchief? And I'm like, no, it looks like a handkerchief. And he's like, yeah, but the stripes and the colors. And I'm like, "Um, so do we need to ask him to leave? And he's like, no, we're good. But he's, you know, so there's, there's a lot of stuff like that. I know that that happens as well. That's kind of it. Can be kind of crazy sometimes, but yeah. um, we uh, we're actually at the the half hour mark, so we'll go ahead and take a quick sponsor break, and then uh, then we come back. We'll actually be talking more uh, with Steve. So don't go anywhere, and we'll be right back with you guys.
3: Nobody thinks it will happen to them, but with over two thousand emergency phone calls per month to our independent program attorney answered hotline. It's closer to home than you think. At U.S. Law Shield, we give you exclusive access to our 24-7, 365 emergency hotline, not a call center, direct access to our network of independent program attorneys. With a price point of only 1095 per month and unlimited attorney hours for criminal and civil defense, U.S. Law Shield provides you with unparalleled service and protection where it matters most. No other program comes close. We believe an educated member is an empowered member. We do this by providing educational resources featuring seasoned attorneys, firearms instructors, law enforcement, and experts in all areas of self-defense law. We at U.S. Law Shield believe peace of mind should come with simple and affordable protection.
0: With over 50 years of experience with religious and nonprofit organizations, Thomas Alexander Insurance and Associates understands that your congregation is different from a traditional business. We're here to fulfill your needs, coming to you while creating a personal plan for your budget and size. From your local community to around the globe, we are advocates for you. Thomas Alexander Insurance and Associates, your partner in service. The Church Safety Guys broadcast. The Church Safety Guys help church and place of worship safety and security teams all over North America through our broadcasts, online communities, conferences, trainings, resources, and the all-new church security app. Download it today. Help us continue to reach churches by supporting our sponsors, purchasing our resources, and consider becoming a ministry partner by making a monthly or one-time donation. Remember to like, subscribe, and share this broadcast with your team. And now, back to the broadcast.
1: All right. Welcome back to the church safety and security broadcast. I am James, and uh, joined by Paul and uh, Steve McGraw is our guest tonight. And uh, I was just kind of curious, Steve. One of the things I wanted to ask, and I'm not sure. I apologize if you mentioned it already, but what what is the uh, what is the membership of your church like? How many services do you guys have, and and how many folks come? And, and so we're you kind
4: know? of. Our auditorium, main auditorium, can seat about um, 6,500 in the auditorium itself. And then we have, but we have multiple services going on at one time. We have like a Spanish speaking service going on. We have a couple different teen services, children's services and so forth. So not everybody's usually in the main auditorium at one time. Um, So typically we'll have about 10 services going on at one time on a Sunday morning, just in different locations. Um, All together we'll run... On a big day, we'll run about 12,000 people on property like today. I think we're probably closer to nine or 10 um, on a day like today. Today was more a little bit more of an average day, um, but it, it kind of varies. Obviously, with COVID and so forth, that it, it dropped numbers down significantly during that time. We didn't run buses and all that kind of stuff for a while. Um, and then because so especially with like crossing the state lines and stuff, but then we're coming back up on our numbers now. So I'd say we were about maybe 10,000 a day.
2: Okay. So I want to go back to that. And I want you guys to think about this at home. Think about coordinating all the volunteers. (laughs) Think about all the sanctuaries. Think about missing kids. Think about missing items. Think about a thief loose on campus. You get a report of somebody and you're looking for somebody. And if they know the church, which when I was a kid, there were places in that church I knew about that very few people did. And (laughs) so you got kids that can disappear. Um, that's a lot
4: every every one of those you were talking about i could check mark
2: off today oh i guarantee <laughs> it and you got I'm stuff like in the parking lot Oh, out in a cold sweat oh, cuz just just dealing with all that stuff and then you're going to have you have to deal with state and local law with firearms you have to deal you know you got you got different situations going on now you're adding to the mix the gang situations which I was in a church as a kid that a guy thought that he was a Crip and and his buddies, some of these other guys were trying to form a local group of the bloods. And most people were like, you guys need to stop talking before the real guys show up. But (laughs) he brought a Beretta handgun to church. And my dad, who was one of the most gentlemen I've ever met in my life was the only one with the intestinal fortitude to walk up and say, you need to take that out and put it in your car. And, and they were, I mean, and that was a, an unarmed, very gentle man. I'm I'm mostly a gentleman, but I'm wired different than him. And that was a very brave thing for him to do. And so then you're talking about medical issues and you're trying to get ambulances moved around and not interrupt services. Um, I mean, you could, there's, there's so many variables that you've got in there and then you're trying to let traffic out. You're trying to deal with the local lights. You're trying to let services out at different times where maybe they don't, maybe this service isn't hitting as that service is hitting in my parking lot right now in my church, you better know Jesus between the second and third service. Cause y'all playing frogger out there. <laughs> so I'm just unpacking in my brain, as Mike Siller likes to say, I'm unpacking all the stuff I can think of off the top of my head. And there's more, I guarantee it. That's crazy.
4: Yeah. The, uh, you mentioned a, a gang mayor necessarily, as we would call them coming in with a gun or something. We had a, this was years ago, probably 10 or 15 years ago. We had a seven year old show up who'd gotten picked on the week before, found his uncle's gun and came with it. And thankfully we had a worker on the bus that just happened to see it in his jacket called us. We had to deal with that whole issue, but he was, Later, about 10 years later, he came back as a gang member and wanted a vengeance and had a similar situation, just 10 years older. So you just kind of, sometimes that just kind of comes back every few years, it seems like. So the same people sometimes. But it's, you know, there's a lot of good things that happen in a ministry this size. Um, I try and keep that in mind with my guys is, you know, I reiterate to them you need to be inside the service. I take one, we have services Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. Um, Wednesday night is my night. My assist that works for me knows that that's my night, unless it's an absolute nightmare. I don't work that night. I stay available per se, but I don't deal with things. I don't wear a radio, I don't wear your piece, anything like that while I'm there. That's my family night. I try and encourage my guys to do the same because you can get burned out if you don't actually see what the Lord's doing sometimes. Um, and sure. they're just constantly working in a smaller church. A lot of my people I've talked to across the country, They get so wrapped up because they feel so responsible being the only one that can handle the situation. So they put themselves out of service all the time. And that can just be a real dangerous thing. I've seen too many of my friends that I worked with for so many years in security burn out and leave the mystery and not be involved anymore because they just got burned out from dealing with the negative side so much, not seeing so much of the positive side.
2: So, I went a month once, literally unable to sit through an entire service because we had so many arrests on campus, drugs being found, weapons being found. And it doesn't hold a candle to what you're talking about, but we found a knife on our playground and we were finding uh, drug paraphernalia. We were fine. We had mules trying to hide in our church from, from the local popo and they're my buddies. So I'm like, y'all come right on in, you know? And, but, but it was to the point that I didn't get to sit through an entire service for a month. And I think the Lord showed that to me for a couple of reasons. One was so we can talk about burnout and make sure we don't do it. Cause James and I've talked about that a lot. We both experienced it, but then, then when I'm doing the chaplain thing with officers and they're like, the world's falling apart. I'm losing my faith in humanity. I'm like, right, but you're dealing with the 2% of people in your community that you constantly arrest. If you didn't have if you didn't have to arrest them, you wouldn't have a job. And but we we joke about that, but it's true. And imagine, guys, you guys that are watching at home playing the home game, think about what Steve's talking about. At that level, where it would be so easy to be like, I'm this, I'm the hub of this wheel and I can't take any time off. He's insisting that he gets a service with his family so he doesn't get burned out. This is wisdom because james and i were talking this last week about the fact that you can if you find yourself thinking of reasons to leave the sanctuary during your downtime you're probably not walking right where you need to with the lord and you don't want the holy spirit to convict you of something you know so you want to break contact there and leave the sanctuary quickly this is huge and you have every and i'm I'm, I'm being very honest here. You have every reason to feel like you're indispensable, but obviously you've created a structure with lieutenants within your structure that can function without you. And that's another thing. I never was able to do that with my own team. I never was able to get to the point that I could truly unplug for full services.
4: Well, this when I, when I went back to my new de- police department, more full-time, because I was part-time at the other department at that time, when I decided to go back and full-time into law enforcement, I knew I had to restructure because I felt like I was doing everything for everybody and I was the only one able to answer every call kind of a thing and it just kind of got got to me that I couldn't do that anymore and work a full-time job outside the ministry and so I actually had to restructure my department put people in place to kind of deal with those issues train them up to deal with them and put my put a little faith behind them and that the Lord used them the right way when I'm not there and thankfully that's kind of really built a, a good role for a lot of people And they've stepped up to to fulfill that role now i didn't want to do that before it was hard for me to give up that for a while but now that i've been able to do that i see that there's really people out there that can deal with a lot of situations and i'm glad right now
2: i want to follow up quickly james and then i've been talking way too much i want you to i want you to come in on this behind this but i want you to think about this at home because um, what, what happens, uh, what scripture says, I will strike the, 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 shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. What happens if, if you at home who are leading your team and you have not created that culture of, of independent thought, what happens if, if Steve, you know, you, you, the, the person is, um, they're incapacitated due to illness or, or some injury on the job or whatever. Um, suddenly you're gone and the team crumbles and it's gone. And we've all seen that happen to where that one person has made themselves a hinge pin, whether they meant to or not. And uh, the guy that runs my my church's security team that I'm at now, um, he's got a background in EP, so he's got, he's executive protection executive protection background, law enforcement background, and he's run SWAT teams. And so I happily I happily follow this guy, and he's close to the end of his law enforcement career, and he calls me Lieutenant Paul now within his structure because I'm always helping him do stuff. And so in a formal email he sent out the other day, he's like Lieutenant Paul and I are talking about having an upcoming training. When do you guys want to get together? but you have to build that structure because you aren't indispensable. And what happens if you go on vacation or something, James, we've talked about the phone calls that you can get when you're not there. (laughs) I think, uh,
1: you know, it's, it's a hard thing and there's no, every church is different. You know, we've said, we've, we've stressed that for sure. And whether, whether your church has 80, um, 80 or 8,000, right. It's, there has to be, to an extent, there has to be some type of organization and structure because if if there isn't, then then you will get burned out. Um, one of the things, in, and kind of to piggyback, and we've gotten we've gotten a couple of questions. I do want to circle back to that are I think are good, um, but you know, for for myself, I've gotten to that point where I'll alternative. You know, like you said, Steve, I won't put my radio in, I'll walk into the sanctuary, I'll turn my radio off, and and I've got my phone. And I'll say to, you know, whoever's in charge that day, look, um, because I understand to an extent, if something medical happens, I'm the I'm the most senior medically trained individual that we have right now. Um, so if something happens medically, they, you know, I've given them permission to come. You know text me call me whatever if i'm sitting there in the service and my phone rings and i see um you know one of one of the other supervisors or team leads their their name come up then i know something's going on and I'll i'll you know quietly quietly leave and try and help and then and then come back um you know for me i've had to have a lot of grace with that too because honestly there have been times where i've walked out and i get to them and they're like you know this is the first time in a bit that i've gotten to sit with my family or my wife and they're like well um is it okay if that person parks right there or should we meet? and i'm just like um okay you know <laughs> and i'm being facetious and kind of joking but i think everybody kind of knows what i'm talking about it's not it's not life threatening so expressing that and explaining that if you have several people is always helpful and just be like hey i'm not trying to be rude but look um, I really need a break. I need to be able to, to worship and recharge my batteries and sit, sit with my family because, you know, I'm even though I'm in ministry, uh, you know, I've got God first, my family second or my, my, my wife second, my family third. And my family and my wife need to, to know that sitting and worshiping is a priority for me, not right. just serving. And I think that if we get those mixed up, which I'm not saying I never get a mixed up because I do. Everybody gets a mixed up from time to time. But I want to set a legacy and I want to set an example that's well balanced for my kids to understand that I can serve, but also be uh, concerned about my family. I don't want my kids growing up being one hundred and twenty percent serving at the church and never, never really concerned about their family. Um, so it's a balance it's a very structured balance of being graceful to folks and also drawing the line and saying look i need you to run this service right now so that you know i can go i can go do this or i can do that Um, sometimes emphasizing that takes some time um for the churches and one of the questions that we've gotten is so what do you and we've gotten it several times from different platforms that we're streaming to um you know what do you do if you don't have a person that that's delegated to and you know the the reality is there's no easy answer um if you can't find someone else that you could say like pull aside and disciple and kind of you know show the way and say look do you want to serve with me is it like maybe is it possible for you to watch the front door um or whatever you kind of have to think through and analyze what's what do you feel if you're the only person that's doing it what do you feel is the most important thing to watch and and do if it's a smaller church and you're on the inside maybe it would give you comfort to have somebody by the door So maybe it's not an an actual safety team member. Maybe it's a door greeter or another deacon, or it doesn't have to necessarily be someone that's that's trained as extensively as you are, or maybe somebody that's not a sheepdog. But if you can grab that person and be like, you know what? I really need a break. Could you do me a favor and just watch the door and let me know if you see anything that's odd? Um, You know, we've talked about that many times on the on the broadcast with overlapping and, and pulling resources from other ministries like door greeters and, and that sort of thing for the sake of saying, um, you know, look, I'm just being honest. I need a break. I need you to cover for me. Um, and that person may not appreciate or, or really put the value on safety and security that you do. I get that. I understand. Um, and that can be frustrating too that somebody might not take it serious so you want to try and find somebody that maybe takes it a little bit serious um, and you know and respects it um, as much as probably not as much as you do but at the same time we also have to care for ourselves and we have to realize that you know what for my standards no one and and i did a video about this not too long ago nobody's going to understand your motivation for doing what you do right and and i said that on the video and i'm going to say again no one will understand completely your motivation what motivates you to do something because you're where you are because god put it on your heart he developed a passion to be a sheepdog Um, we're all the same like i can relate like i can relate to steve serving uh, I can relate to Paul serving. I can relate to Mike serving, but I don't know what motivates you. Right. So at the end of the day, when I look at it and say, okay, if I have another person, maybe they're not as passionate as I am about this. But if I have another person that can do small things like watch the parking lot or watch the front door, then to me, uh, that's a win. And, and they, You know, they may not necessarily understand that, but um, or understand your love and your passion for it, but you're you're taking steps. And maybe maybe that's enough to get somebody interested to come back and say, well, why are you you know, why do you do this? Tell me about like tell me about the safety and security ministry at this church. And, you know, that could drive them. Drive them to, to do other things. I, one of the things, and I'll throw it over to, to Paul real quick, because I know he wanted to follow, and we're, we're kind of short on time. But one of the things that I always like to say is I, I use the acronym FAT, and it's in a couple of our books and stuff like that. Not you, Paul. You're not fat. Sorry. <laughs> it's it's uh, it's faithful, available, and teachable, right? So, if I have someone that faithfully attends, faithfully serves, is is available, and willing to learn, and is teachable, it doesn't matter if they're trained to the hilt. What matters is they're they're someone that God is working with that has brought to you, or maybe you've gone after them and they can be involved and they can do things and they can be the individual that, uh, leave you, um, and, and helps you with your service. So I'll go ahead and throw it over to, to Paul while I check, check my internet connection. It's acting up (laughs) here.
0: So on the
2: extreme opposite end of what we're talking about, Steve's in a mega mega church. Um, and you guys have just a few people that show up every Sunday or every service. Um, but then on the extreme opposite end, most folks are in a church of 100 or less. And I talked to a church recently where this, this guy said, I'm the only person with a sheepdog heart. My pastor's on board, but nobody else cares. And he goes, he goes, Paul, I'm, I'm burned out. You know, basically is where he's headed. And I've actually had this conversation a lot of times. So I may be accidentally stringing two conversations together. but. Um, He was the only one that had the sheepdog heart and he was the only one that was willing to do it. And he was getting really, really stressed out because he was not in there for worship. He was not in there for communion, He was not in there for the message. And he was at church. But, you know, the word of God says, do not forsake the fellowship, the gathering together uh, as some are in the habit of doing. He was at church, but he was not at church. And I said, you know, what do you think about would your would your pastor be okay with with getting a set of cameras, very small church, and a tablet, and you could lay put the tablet in some kind of a, a cover and flip it over the pew in front of you, and you can, you know, praise God, look at the screen, communion look at the screen, and you could because there's no way for him to do everything and you know it's one of those churches that's so small that when the pastor says dearly beloved people get embarrassed and uh, they, they just like he's talking to them and uh, that's a little small old school small church humor but but that's very real. I mean, Steve's in a church that no matter how hard he tries, he's not going to get to know every single person that comes in and out of the door. They, they, you could walk up to somebody, Steve, and, and I'm, I'm at a church this level. James, your church this level. We could walk up to somebody and be like, hey, is this your first you've been here for five years. I am so sorry. And uh, you see them looking up at the ceiling. Yeah, you think yeah. they're a tourist, you know. And uh, but But at the very bottom of that, I've literally had people tell me, it's me and one other guy or or it's me and and you're not going to be able to patrol the parking lot but you know what you can have a camera pointed at the nursery you can have a camera pointed at the bathrooms you can have a camera pointed at the foyer in the parking lot and that way you can have a pretty good idea and maybe you set it where it rotates or you set it where you can see all the screens and you can tap the screen there's ways to still get plugged in and get fed you know, uh, I've, I've flown quite a bit recently, Steve, and what you're talking about reminds me of an airport more than it reminds me of a church. <laughs> you're bringing it a lot back. of people through. <laughs> it, it can be that way. You know, we our, our college that we run
4: has a lot of, we've sent a lot of pastors, missionaries across the United States and the world and so forth. And they'll call me up and they're smaller churches and we'll talk through things. And I often tell them, when you only have one guy doing security, they're going to get burnt out. You know, that guy's got to have that Direct path to the pastor, because if he doesn't go to the pastor, he's going to burn out. But at the same time, you need to get your other people in the church that may not be security mindset, may not be safety mindset, to at least take on some of the roles like a greeter and so forth. And then they can call that one guy that may be sitting in the service and let them know what's going on. So you know, it's kind of it's like James said, it's kind of like finding the right path for every church because every church is different. Every church location is different. Some are around the country, some are in the inner city, some are you know out in the middle of nowhere and there's only one guy in the pastor like you said and the security guard is also the guy taking the offering and doing everything else that day you know so it's kind of like just trying to find that role but if at all possible make sure your role doesn't overlap sometime in the service or even some personal time with the pastor himself or somebody like that that can do a devotional and spend time with you directly because sometimes you got to find those roles you know and it's not available to us. Like me, I can I can kind of depend on my team. I built that team, so I haven't built it. Somebody else built it. I took over, but that team's been built so that I can I can take some time for myself, and they can take some time and rotate through it. If you if you have that availability to do.
2: Amen. Well, and, and praying for the right people, and then I know we're about to we're wrapping up. But years ago, I, I was kind of complaining about where I was at, and here I am, a civilian police chaplain, and uh, I was talking to somebody that was you know, pretty knowledgeable. And I said, you know, I I really struggle to have enough people on deck. And this person's like, well, I mean, can't you lean on the cops that go to church there? And I'm like, well, we don't have cops that go to our church. They're like, you're a chaplain? And I said, you know, I'm not like creating followers after me, but then I started really thinking about it for the ones that were unchurched. I was never putting pressure on them to go, "You, you need to pick my church but it started changing my thinking. And if we're, and I'm big on reaching into the first responder community, but but not making them feel taxed. I had a chief of police that told me, he said, Paul, the, the only time I can turn my back to the door is when I know your boys are watching the door. I really wanna sit with my family. And I've heard that more than one time. They're like, I've seen you shoot. I've seen you train, um, dude, you, you guys are squared away. I really wanna sit with my family. And I'm like, I'll stop talking now. You guys have a great service. And, and so we can't overtax our cops because you know this, Steve, if you're not careful, you're like, all I deal with is scuzz buckets and even the scuzz <laughs> buckets that are trying to come into my church. And, and it's hard to keep a ministry. It's, it's hard enough to keep a ministry mindset as a police officer, but then when you don't ever get a break and anybody that's been burned out with church safety has an idea of what that is. So, right. We the church our
4: size just to give you an idea it's a large church we have two police officers that go to church here and we have one fireman out of all of that large crowd that's all we have and I'm sorry we have two firemen there's a second one that just started but I mean and the one the other police officer that's not me he does not work security at all doesn't want to he wants to be involved in the church when he's there and that's the way we keep it because I understand that completely now he still carries. Obviously, we're not having any problem there. But
2: right, you know. well, and, and quickly, and I know we got to close out. I know James is is going to want to say something. We're going to close out. I I really started ministering into my community and trying to get events at my church, which the church I'm at now for the last two and a half years. When I walked in the door, they were already doing celebrations for first responders and events and things like that, and and helping them to understand, you know, pre-COVID, pre pre some of the politics we're dealing with right now. Uh, their their passion was to celebrate community heroes and they wanted to be a church that was a, a first responder church. And I'm like, my people, because it took me 10 years to get my last church, God bless them, great people on board with the idea of holding first responder events. And I, I just throw this to you. Maybe you can get a pastor to seize on this opportunity because as big as you are, Imagine the the positive impact you could have in your community, you know, doing stuff for fire departments, doing stuff for police departments, and in EMS. And I don't know what that looks like. I and mean, obviously, it's not anything you need to spear, spearhead. But with ten thousand people, how crazy would it be to hold a, a, a? You've probably done this even, but a first responder appreciation service.
4: We've done that a few times. Beyond like and. In- because of the region we're in it's not a very well accepted thing from churches it's just kind of the region Um, but our church has done a lot of things for our community police officers firefighters we took like a u-haul truckload of just goodies to the department our our local agency for our church area it's about 210 212 officers and so we took them a u-haul truckload to to support them and then we went to where our college and schools are we also went to those departments but they're just not, it's not a big investment in churches for a lot of the guys in this area. It's just kind of a, a regional thing, I guess. So Hmm. interesting.
2: I truly hate hearing that. That's a tough, that's a tough road because if you don't feel appreciated as a first responder, it's hard to stay James back to you.
1: (laughs) Well, no, I'm just going to, I'm going to say thank you. Uh, thanks so much, Steve, for joining us tonight. And, um, I appreciate you, appreciate your ministry, and, and definitely you still have... what? What is the YouTube channel that you have your videos and stuff on?
4: It's just under my name, uh, Steve McGraw. I haven't posted there in quite some time due to time constraints and so forth and making videos, but uh, it's just under my name, Steve McGraw, on here, YouTube.
1: You're not a busy guy? What? No. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, I will say... Uh, if you get a chance check out check out his videos and the, the reason i liked him was because they were very specific and and concise he did a great job recording them and um it's the type of thing where uh he actually recorded them in small segments so you could very easily play uh, a segment for for your team like in a devotional in a morning or something like that but um great great content great stuff there so um Paul, you were gonna. You want to close this in prayer?
0: Yeah, let's pray this out.
2: Sure. Dear, dearly, Father, Lord God, I come to you tonight, thankful for the opportunity to to visit with people that have been doing this a long time and with great skill, uh, professional teams, and ministering, Lord God, as we said, literally. In the same neighborhood as, as as hell, not not trying to be funny, but to quote a pastor and, Lord God, I thank you for what they're doing. I thank you for the impact they're having. I thank you for the favor they've they've been given, Lord God, even with people that are not righteous, and uh, I thank you for that. Uh, it encourages me, um, and and Lord God, it's it's something that as the church safety and security world becomes more and more professional, it's going to be the veterans that have been doing this a long time that will be able to talk about the pitfalls. Things to avoid, the things that that work and don't work potentially at a at a mega church level. And Lord God, um, we're still in an era where even even some large churches don't have any kind of security. And Lord God, I ask that you would you would help the pastors of these churches to realize they need to keep a weather eye. They need to have the sheepdog watching over the flock. Lord God, I ask that you would bless Steve, that you bless his ministry, that you keep him safe as an officer. Lord God, that you bless him and his family. And I ask this in your Son Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. Well, we, um, we will go ahead and wrap up. So if you've uh, spent time with us tonight, thanks. Thanks for hanging out with us. And uh, as always, you can always visit us at churchsafetyguys.com. We have some, some great resources on there. And, uh, and also download the. feel free to download the Church Security app because there's new content and different things that we've uh, we've put on there. And we're actually uploading all the time. So uh, feel free to check that out. I think next week um, we are actually going to uh, have Dan Blevins in. And uh, Dan has, I think, <laughs> I've got to double check with him, but uh, Dan's been kind of uh, taking care of some family stuff and we're, we're real excited to have him back on the broadcast and show and um, really looking forward to that. So Uh, in the meantime, if, uh, if there's something that we can do to help you guys out with, uh, with your ministry, please feel free to reach out and Mm -hmm. we will do the best we can for that. So Mm -hmm. until next time, have a great week, have a great night, uh, take care God bless.
0: Thank you for joining the church safety and security broadcast with the church safety guys sponsored by checker. We hope that you found it informative and we appreciate your feedback. Be sure to share our broadcast with your teams. Join the discussion online, and for other great resources, download the Church Security app or visit our website at churchsafetyguys.com. Remember, keep a servant's heart, a mindset of ministry, and Semper Disciplina. Always be training. Have a blessed week.